This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 117 of the iFreaks show. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. A couple of quick things. Um, I just got back from Podcast Movement. And I'm really curious to talk to podcast listeners. So go to ifreakshow.com slash 15 minutes, and it will give you an opportunity to claim 15 minutes on my schedule. Um, and I just like to talk, find out what the show is about to you. So why do you listen? You know, is it to get news, to find things to explore, that kind of thing? Or maybe you just listen in the car because you listen in the car. I don't know. The other thing I'd like to know is just who you are and what you're about and what struggles you have and what things you do well and all that stuff. So I know that's a lot to fit into 15 minutes, but I would love to talk to you. So yeah, go check that out. I'm using Skype. So if that's a blocker for you, then I'm sorry. So ifreakshow.com slash 15 minutes. We also have a special guest this week, and that is Wes McCabe. Hi, this is Wes McCabe from San Francisco, California. Do you want to give us a little more intro, what you do? What flavor ice cream you like, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I work at a company called Sensor Tower, and we got started offering app store optimization uh, software. So for those that aren't familiar, it's uh, similar to um, SEO um, on the app store. So trying to optimize um, your search results in the app store. Uh, today, we are a company that also offers other services for mobile marketers. We have a downloads and revenue sort of estimation product, and we're also sort of building a um, an ad intelligence product right now as well. So kind of have a suite of marketing products for app developers and mobile marketers. I'm just going to pretend you said sweet marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I watched a talk by, I don't remember who, you sent us the talk. And I just didn't write down names, but uh, it was about kind of what you guys have been able to do for Sega. That's right. Yeah. And I remember back in the day, they used to make a Sega console and the little handheld Sega thingy. I don't remember. Genesis, was it? But yeah, I mean, now it looks like they've gone full on mobile. Yeah. So the, the Genesis, the Dreamcast, they're now making mobile games. Uh, you know, a lot of their classic games, the Sonic the Hedgehog. And yeah, we've been working with them on the App Store and trying to help them get discovered and, and grow their, their user base. Okay. We're talking about the NHL games, NHL 95. Is that out there? I haven't seen, you know, their, their sports games. Um, I haven't seen as, as many of those. They have one sort of football manager game. But yeah, we got to push them to get more of those, those sports games out. <laughs> okay. I can, I can hope. <laughs> I still have my Sega, so I'm, I'm doing okay. I can still play. Nice. <laughs> Besides NHL, what's that? See, I'm Utah, not. that's the national... Um, hmm. Homemakers... Horse yeah. Horse League. Something. High Mountain... Yeah, there anyway. we go. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make Jane cry. 
anyway, so yeah. So was that a Sega game back in the day, NHL 95? That was. Uh, so let's jump right in on this. So App Store Optimization is about getting you listed when people search for something, right? Yes. Yeah, that is correct. So when you open up the App Store, you know, you, you have your featured section, you have category rankings, um, and then you also have, you know, the search section where, you know, users are going, maybe the word of mouth, they've heard about an app, they're just going to go search for it. Or, uh, you know, maybe they're just doing organic search. They want a, you know, a new alarm clock um, app, and they're going to start searching for keywords related to that. And, you know, Apple is pretty confidential. They don't release a lot of data on where most installs are coming from. But from a lot of independent studies, we're, you know, we're finding that majority of apps are being installed from the search functionality. And so, it, you know, it leaves a lot of room for marketers to figure out how to, you know, increase their position in those results. And so, yeah, that's, that's where we come in and we provide data on, on how to, you know, which keywords are being searched for, which ones can, can you actually compete on, and then you sort of submit a, you know, new metadata to Apple to uh, improve your visibility. That's good because judging from talking to other developers, the App Store is where all our hard work goes to die. Mm-hmm. Never be heard from again. So you're saying there's a better way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one one of the reasons we wanted to come on this show, too, is a lot of the um, indie developers, a lot of, like, really great creative apps that don't have the huge marketing budget and aren't just going to be paying for for advertisements, um, you know, they they can kind of get lost in the the abyss. So that's where ASO can really help you out and and find sort of your your audience through the search function. So, And I'm just going to clarify some lingo here. ASO is App Store Optimization. Yeah, sorry. I was kind of making that assumption there. Yeah, so... No, it's ASO all good. Is, is the acronym, yeah. We have a definition, so now you can use it liberally, I guess. <laughs> awesome. So I'm assuming, because I've heard a lot of things in podcasting that get us ranked in the App Store, and I'm assuming that a lot of the same things apply. You know, the things that we're filling in on our RSS feeds, I think primarily the big ones for us are title and keywords. I, I hear some rumblings about description summary, but. You know, it seems like that's kind of hit or miss depending on what else you've got. Is it the same for apps? Yeah, definitely. So it it is a different algorithm, but it is the same. It is pretty bare bones. We we sort of joke around the office here. Apple's algorithm and search function is kind of in the Ask Jeeves era of search algorithms. It's it's pretty basic. It's you're feeding it keywords and um, you know the terms from your title, and those are being indexed. And then if someone searches for that searches for that term, you show up. There's definitely, you know, a, you know, long list of, of sort of tricks and, and smaller things. Um, you know, your publisher name is indexed, for example. If you have in-app purchases in your app, the, that exact uh, sort of string or phrase is indexed. If you show up in Game Center, for example, you'll rank for combinations of game and center. And so, you know, there's a, there's a long list of, you know, different inputs like this. But the main ones that you're controlling on sort of an update basis are your, your keyword field and the title. So you want to create an in-app purchase that's called Candy Crush Saga then, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Game of War. And there you go. Clash of Clans. <laughs> What's the most important one? Is it the title yeah. or is it the keywords or is it something yeah, else? Yeah, that's a great question. So, 
Yeah, the one that's getting the most weight is the title. So, yeah, you know, if you put the same term in the title and versus the keywords and ran a test there, the title would, would win out, you know, nine times out of ten. So the title is, is definitely the most important. After that, uh, you know, all things are, are pretty much equals, you know, keywords and app purchases and whatnot. But the title is definitely where you're going to get the most weight. So the most relevant and the the most important term should go there. And you'll see, you, you may have seen this, but the, there's just this, this, this general trend in titles getting longer in the last year or two years. So before, you know, it would just be, you know, Flickr or, you know, whatever the app name might be. But now what we're seeing like Flickr dash and then sort of like your, your tagline, you know, a photo sharing collaboration app, you know, whatever it might be. You know, part of that is conveying what the app does. And the other part of that is, you know, they're putting keywords in there to help with, with search. Do you see like really spammy titles? Oh yeah. (laughs) So you have 255 characters to work with. And so people take some serious liberties there and we'll see some ridiculous titles that are just what James just said as a joke, you know, people will actually do that. You you could have a, uh, you know, a photo editing app and then just throw in, Candy Crush, Game of War, like, you know, things that aren't even relevant. (laughs) And that's where kind of Apple's review process comes in. There's nothing that's programmatically, you know, going to ding you there or or reject the build, but that's part of the review process. And, you know, we've seen some people get away with it where maybe it was in a smaller, smaller market or the reviewer just missed it. But yeah, we've definitely seen some pretty spammy titles. (laughs) So once we've picked, you know, a reasonable title for our app, what are the next steps? for, you know, basic, covering our bases that what we're building can be discovered? Yeah, so, so the title is obviously the most important thing. And, you, you know, you want to have some sort of phrase in there or some sort of marketing tagline that's going to, you know, bring in some of your key search terms there. You know, after that, it's, uh, you know, some of the features that we have that allow people to dig a little bit deeper is you can sort of, we have a, a feature called Keyword Spy, which allows you to, to essentially spy on your competitors and see what they're ranking for and what they're using. You know, that, that's always a great, great place to start and just see, you know, what, you know, maybe there's some, some other terms or other ways we could acquire users that we're not thinking of. And so just starting to generate a, a keyword bank, essentially, a, a list of different test ideas because you might have just who your, your general audience might be for your app, but there, you know, there's always, you know, new users or, or new people that could find value in your app that you might not know about. So, um, uh, just sort of starting the research phase with, you know, and that's where we come in to kind of help with that and to start figuring out what other, you know, terms might be relevant and might help us out. Um, so w- we show you, uh, you know, the traffic. So how often a term's being searched and then the difficulty too. So Candy Crush or Game of War, you know, those terms are being searched all the time, but the probability that, that a small app would be able to rank well for that term is, is pretty low. So it's a balancing act of picking terms that that have substantial traffic, but that you can also compete on. Okay, so my Candy Crush phishing app probably not going to work out. Exactly, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but what if your app is legitimately like Candy Crush tips or Candy Crush strategies or something like that? I know with SEO, it, it takes a lot of different things into account, and so it's usually three to six months before you start to rank. But if you're just being indexed and then searched on that index, could you rank immediately by putting something in there that is both relevant and has all those keywords in the title and keywords and stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, 
you'll rank in, you know, in some capacity right away just by putting it in the title. Like you mentioned with SEO, there, you know, there's things that there's parts of the algorithm that, you know, you need to build over time. So one of the biggest parts of the algorithm is download velocity. So, you know, if you get featured or you have, you know, a a press release or any sort of viral thing where, where you're getting, you know, more downloads than usual in a certain time frame, you know, you'll see your ranking for that particular keyword go up. You know, reviews, uh, we found reviews play a, a part in the algorithm as well. So if you have um, a period where more people are reviewing your app and, you know, giving feedback that way, so volume of, review, of reviews. So, yeah, the answer is you'll rank right away, but you do need to sort of build a history in the App Store to really start to improve that ranking. Now, is that history specific to the keyword or is it just in general you're getting yeah. more downloads or less downloads or whatever? Yeah, just in general. We have done some tests and research around that as a separate question, though, whether or not you can kind of own a keyword on history. You know, we've seen some evidence of that, but I think what we're seeing there is more um, the conversion. Um, so, so Apple is accounting for conversion. So if I search for Sonic the Hedgehog, and, you know, I tap into the first app on that page, which is Sonic, and install the app, you know, Apple's tracking all of those user paths. Um, okay. So that's a vote for Sonic on Sonic the Hedgehog. Exactly. And so if Sonic has been ranking for that term and that search query for, you know, five years, they have this huge history of conversion there. And that, so if I just go ahead and put Sonic in my app, even though I have, say, a, a lot of downloads, I'm not going to rank as high because, you know, they have this, this sort of history of conversion there. So if you're Sonic Restaurant and you've got your new app, what do you do? Yeah. So, you know, the first rule is definitely own your brand. So you obviously need to include, you know, you need to go after Sonic. You know, we've seen some anecdotal evidence that repeating a term in the keyword section can give you a slight boost. So, you know, you have Sonic restaurants in the title, you repeat Sonic in the keywords. Um, It's usually fairly marginal, though. um, And it not enough to really move you from two to one. But We've seen that help from, say, you know, position 50 to maybe 40 or or something like that. So it's just going to be a combination of a lot of little things that, you know, beginning to to gain uh, history with that term and um, improving your reviews. You can also do some stuff with localization, too. So, you know, localizing that title, I guess Sonic's not a great example because their restaurants aren't all over the world. But um, McDonald's, maybe McDonald's. Yeah. So you can localize say restaurant, for example, into, you know, translate that into different languages and, you know, localizing your app will will sort of improve your visibility in the U.S. as well. Oh, it'll help your U.S. rankings to rank better other places or get downloads other places? Yeah. So there's a few correlations in how how that works. So the first one is some stores are linked. And so, uh, for example, um, Spain and the U.S. are linked together um, in Apple's algorithm. And part of that is just, I think Apple saw that, you know, we have a large um, Hispanic population and a lot of people were searching for in Spanish on the App Store. And so rather than have the developer, you know, dedicate, you know, 50% of their keywords to Spanish and 50% to the U.S., they said, hey, you know, in the U.S., just focus on English keywords. But then what we'll do is we'll take your Spanish metadata and we'll index that in the U.S. as well. And so basically what that, what happens there is um, anything that you do in Spain counts for you in the U.S. as well. Um, and then and there's other overlaps like that around the globe. So um, in Canada, for example, you know, you have French Canadian and English Canadian. So localizing can definitely help give you a, like a, an extra set of terms. 
that's really interesting. So are there any other tricks like that? I mean, and, and I don't say tricks. I mean, it, it seems smart, you know, if you know that there's yeah. a Hispanic population to put stuff in there for them too. But I think most of us kind of focus on the demographic that's the largest in the country that we're targeting. So Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and, and people have, you know, people have definitely abused that system because, you know, even though it's the Spanish section, you know, if you're not targeting the Spanish population, we've seen people put a different set of English terms in the Spanish section, knowing that, you know, they'll be indexed in the U.S. And again, that just comes down to the review process. Some people will get rejected for that. Other people we've seen approved and they're essentially getting two titles and double the characters of keywords. So, yeah, it, you know, it is, it can kind of be gamed in that way. But yeah, and, and, you know, in terms of other tricks, you know, I mentioned the in-app purchases one. I, you know, I think it's, you know, they definitely do seem like tricks, but yeah, there's just knowing all the inputs and sort of how they can mm-hmm. manipulate those to improve your, your search. Right. So then you, if you're doing a Sonic app, then you also, instead of having an in-app purchase that's like, uber awesome membership it's uber awesome sonic membership and so you get that keyword slipped in there where it's still relevant but you're kind of getting that extra vote or that extra juice yeah exactly i'm wondering a little bit too about the images and videos does that play in at all just having them i'm assuming helps but yeah that's a great question this just came up on a call you know recently with one of our clients and this is on you know this, this podcast is focused on ios but this was on google play actually um just a quick side side note, but they found that Google was doing image analysis on the icons. And so, uh, you know, really popular icon for a lot of the sl- uh, casino game slots is the triple seven. And they found that they would rank for this a search of triple seven without having it in the title or description or keywords just from that coming through on the icon. So that was that was really interesting. Google's definitely a lot further ahead than Apple in the search in their search functionality. It's a lot more robust and you know harder to kind of game and understand. But on Apple, image uh, screenshots and icons are strictly you know about conversion. So we've seen amazing studies of people tweaking their icons or screenshots and seeing the conversion of their page go way up. But in terms of the search functionality, it's not going to really help you there. So let's say that I'm writing a, I don't know, a gardening app, just to throw one out there. And I want to start doing some of this uh, optimization. So, I mean, my title can be, you know, green thumb and, you know, and then it has a tagline, you know, the best app in gardening or something. And I can put gardening in my keywords. But how do I evaluate whether or not I even want to try and rank for gardening or if I even have a shot at showing up there? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I think a first step would be, you know, just pull out your phone and, and go to search and type in gardening, start to get a sense for who's ranking there. And then, you know, you know, with Sensor Tower, one of the things we provide is, you know, we're going to show you all the apps that are ranking for gardening. What we do is it's a little bit harder if you're just launching, if you already have a history um, in the app store. Right. What we do is we, um, we're able to look at all of those apps and that say in the top 10 and compare a lot of the, the metrics that impact ranking to your build and your app. So we look at, you know, how many reviews do they have? What is our estimation for downloads per day for that app? Does this app have gardening in the title? And then we compare them to your app and we're able to give you sort of a pretty successful percentage on whether or not you'll rank in the top 10 for that app. I mean, sorry, for that keyword. 
So yeah, you know, if you're using SensorTower, that's kind of the way to do it. If you're not, yeah, it's just looking at who's ranking there already and, and trying to get a sense for, for whether or not you could compete. One of the things I always look for too is how many in the, in the top 10 have gardening in the title. Cause as we mentioned at the start, you know, the title is the most important factor. So if I'm looking at a keyword and the first 20 apps all have that term in the title, you know, right away, that's already going to be pretty tough to compete with. But if you can find a keyword where not that many people are using it in the title, you know, that's, that's a pretty ripe opportunity that if you put it in the title, you're going to, you're going to jump up there. One other thing that I see in the app store is apps get featured and they get featured in general or they get featured under specific categories. Are there ways to get featured or is that not app store optimization? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I was actually listening to your talk with Ben Johnson, uh, I think it was about a year ago, Yeah, on, on getting featured. That was really interesting. He had a lot of good thoughts too, but I'm kind of curious as to what you guys do. So yeah, getting featured is, we, we provide um, some data on the impacts of getting featured and how that can impact your visibility on you know category rankings and search, and it's all kind of cyclical. But in terms of you know, getting a feature, that's something that's sort of still kind of a mystery out there. I think Ben had a lot of good thoughts, but it's, you know, first and foremost, it's, you know, it's a curated, you know, part of Apple and, you know, they have, you know, their picks and they have a list of, you know, apps that they're going after. So that's still kind of a, kind of, kind of a secret, like hidden part that people haven't been able to crack other than just building a great app that Apple likes. They also seem to follow a lot of patterns too, of sort of other curated, um, you know, popular websites. So, you know, if you've been featured on Product Hunt or, you know, get a press and tech crunch, you know, a lot of times shortly after that, you'll see, you'll be seeing that app on the featured section. So there's definitely some sources that they pull from, but yeah, there's not much on the ASO side that that you can really do to help out in in that section. Do you want to talk a bit about what you've done for some of your clients as far as the results that you've seen from implementing some forms of app store optimization? Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like you watched the the Sega video. Um, I did. And the thing is, is that I think I'm fully behind you promoting the company you work for because I think that it's a service that people are going to need. But I also want to know what kind of results people can expect if they go in and do App Store optimization either on their own or by using Sensor Tower. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the I guess the, the underlying goal here is that by making your app more visible, um, you're going to be getting more organic discovery and, you know, more installs at the end of the day. That's, that's what everyone's after. And that's, that's the end goal. So with a lot of our clients, you know, it's an iterative process. So when we're, when we're measuring results, it's not so much after one update, um, you know, changing a few keywords and then looking at installs, but we saw with Sega and we're, we see with a lot of our clients, it's, you know, over a test cycle of typically three to six months where, you know, you're slowly making tweaks, like you know, at, like we've mentioned on, so far on this show, to the title, keywords, in-app purchases, and that over time, there's more discovery points for users to find your app. So, in general, we're seeing um, on average about a 10 to 15 percent increase in organic installs, and that's just across all of our, you know, our enterprise clients right now. It, you know, it also definitely depends on where you're coming from. Some companies we work with have have really done nothing, and so. We'll start working with them and they have two keywords in the keyword field. And so, you know, there's a lot of room for growth there. And so, you know, we'll max out that keyword field, you know, suggest a a better title and see pretty substantial lift in, in, in installs. Um, other apps have already been doing this for a while and are just trying to maximize their their optimization and 
Um, so there it can be a little bit smaller, but I would say all of our clients are seeing on the whole increases in their, in their installs from anywhere from, you know, um, 5% at the, at the very bottom to 15 at the top. So it's, it's not going to be, you know, your driver, but it's definitely a way to increase the, the organic discovery. Yeah. Look at your website, like right front and center, you have a way to, you can search your app. So if you're working on an app and like, Oh, how am I doing on these scores? You can actually do that. So that's kind of a nice, nice feature. Yeah, we give you a little a little letter grade there too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, with all the different keywords you can have, I mean, if you've got a very big app with a lot of broad reach, is that a better approach than like a small focused app that may have just a smaller amount of keywords, or do you get hurt if you have an app that has a lot of things, or does it make sense to be more focused? Yeah, so so we recommend getting pretty broad. Relevance is definitely the most important thing because even if you're ranking really well for a term. You know, if it doesn't have to do with your app, no one's going to actually tap in, you know, look at the screenshots and then install your app. So the relevance of the term is definitely the most important thing. But, you know, you have 100 characters to work with and it, it definitely makes sense to use all of that space. There's also just a lot of interesting things with, you know, singular and plural. And so even within, if we go back to the gardening example, even within just one sort of topic, you can really quickly get a list of keywords that are that is pretty long, um, just from doing, you know, garden, gardening, gardens, and, you know, similar terms. So we, we find that it's, it's usually a case of not having enough space than, than feeling like you're just stretching it a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. One thing along those same lines, though, is that a lot of folks that I see where they have kind of a general appeal thing, um, you know, where it's, oh, you know, I, I should go after every keyword that exists. Well, a lot of times what they do is they'll focus on a particular niche, and then once they feel like they've gotten traction in that, that niche, then they change. But if you go and change all your keywords and rejigger your titles so that you can go after a different demographic, is that a good idea or a bad idea? Or maybe just there are some trade-offs you should be aware of? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think with that, you would want to test it. And a year ago, that would have been hard to do, but you know, recently Apple, you know, they're getting better and better with, with providing data, you know, to the developer. And with this um, iTunes Connect analytics, you know, you're now able to see page views to the, your App Store page, which is pretty interesting. And from there, you know, with your install number, you can actually calculate the conversion rate of your of your App Store listing. And so, yeah, you know, I, I, would, I would sort of look at it that way. You know, you've gone after this one demographic area and sort of optimize fully there get your sort of base conversion rate and then maybe change out, switch things up and try a new demographic and look at your conversion rate there and sort of see what's working, what works better. So I think, yeah, I would recommend just testing that out. Are there ways to influence app store optimization through things like SEO? So for example, if you have, you make an announcement on your website or you have a press release or something like that, can you use that to influence how you rank in the app store? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, I, you know, I mentioned before that, you know, some of the differences between Google Play and iOS and, you know, Google Play, you know, since Google started as a search engine, you know, they have a lot of that built into their algorithm where, you know, backlinks to your Google Play page, you know, from a, you know, a press article or even from like your Google Plus page can really help improve your, your ASO. On Apple, it's not not the case. Um, 
it, it can help just from a kind of a multiplier effect. If you're, you know, if you're featured in the press, you're probably going to be getting a sp- an increase or a spike in installs and that download velocity is part of the algorithm. So that's going to help you out. But there's nothing in terms of just, uh, you know, a backlink to your Apple, um, uh, your iTunes page. So one process I've seen developers use, especially games, to get more downloads is, you know, you can subscribe to a service that you can, like, pay for downloads. You'll be in, integrated in some other app where they can download your game or whatever. Is there a way to integrate that type of thing where you're getting downloads and to get that into a better search score? Or are they completely separate? Yeah, so are you, are you just asking if, like, a download from an ad is, is any different from sort of, like, an organic download in terms of search? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good question. Yeah. We found that it's just Apple's really just rewarding and looking at the install and they don't really care where it's coming from. So I think Sega mentioned this in that, in that talk, which I'll I'll kind of link at the bottom of of this for, for my pick, but, um, you know, that can definitely be a good, a good launch strategy, even for an indie developer on, you know, on a small budget is to do a, you know, little burst campaign to give yourself some momentum in the app store because, you know, paying for an install will reward you, you know, with your keywords and, and category ranking. So that can actually be, you know, obviously these big studios are, are doing it constantly and, and have ridiculous budgets. But even with a small budget, you know, right around a launch date or with an update, you can um, get a little a little momentum. Okay, so even though they didn't search the app store and download it, Apple didn't track it that way. They, they know that it's this has been downloaded. People yeah. think it's a thing and yeah. they give the exactly. thumbs up. Exactly. So one other thing that I've heard may affect search rankings, and maybe you can just you know confirm or deny any knowledge you have, but I've heard that if it's been released more recently, it's more likely to be ranked higher. Is that true? Yeah, we, we do have some evidence of, we, you sort of call it like this honeymoon effect, but an app that is, that is brand new, that, you know, the first build, first submission to the app store does get a little bit of a boost. Um, so we'll see sort of this downward trend in every app, um, keywords, slight downward trend after about the, you know, the first two weeks after launch. So they do have something built in that rewards a launch, rewards a new app to try and help it get discovered. It's so, so that is something that we have seen. What about new version releases? Does that affect it at all? No. So we have, we haven't seen that in version releases. Here's a question I guess we can ask. And that is, so you have um, iTunes connect or Apple connect or whatever the heck it's called, where you can go and you can see how many downloads you got and they give you some trend information and things like that. How do you look at that and know uh, when you should tweak something? Yeah, so so the the one thing you'll want to look at, especially in the new iTunes Connect uh, analytics, is the App Store views. That's kind of quickly becoming, you know, one one of the new App Store optimization metrics that that can really help you out. So, you know, that's just how many people have found your listing and are you know looking at your page and you know not not installing it yet, but just a view. And you know you can you can look at that on you know a historical graph and you can see how it's you know, how it changes day over day and how it's changed um, before and after an update. And so, you know, one thing we recommend doing is after you've submitted a new set of keywords, a new title, maybe a new strategy that you're, you're going after, you know, go in and look at your app store views. And, you know, the goal is that they're, you know, you're reaching more people and that it's going up. So start tracking that. Typically, you know, maybe look at 
two weeks before, two weeks after to get, uh, you know, a, a relevant sample of data there. And, you know, if it's not, then, you know, you might want to iterate again. And then the other thing is where, you know, a product like Sense Shower can help is you want to look at where you're ranking for these new keywords. You know, if you've submitted a new set of keywords and, you know, you're ranking over 100 for every single one, it's probably too soon to even go look at the app store views because no one's going to really be scrolling down to the 100th position to find your app. So we always recommend the first step to be track your keywords, you know, how are they performing? And then if those are in competitive positions, then, you know, you should be seeing a lift in, in your the, the number of people that come to your page. All right. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions. Do you, Jane? No, I think I'm good. There's a lot of good stuff. Yep. And definitely I, I recommend the listeners to go check out the video. Uh, sounds like Wes is going to put that in the picks. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and do, so, do some picks. Jane, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I've got one pick. So since we're talking about Sega and old NHL games, someone actually took the NHL 94 game and hacked the ROM so you can play online. Oh, wow. So I'll, I'll, I'll give that a pick. And I tried doing that this winter. And back in the day, I was, I was pretty good at these games, 94, 95. I was more of a 95 person because someone stole my 94 game when I was in college, but that's how it goes. But these people are really into this game, and I was pretty good back in the day. And I got online... They play through, I think there's some emulators they can play. I had, to do, I had to go through Windows, so I had to run Parallels to get that running. There's a Mac no. emulator, but oh, I know. It was terrible. But luckily I have it. But I got a couple games with just people at Exhibition Games, and I just got destroyed. So these guys are pretty serious. They've been playing this game for 20 years. But it is fun. So if you had, if you used to play this game, and it's fun to get together with your friends. If you can't get together, uh, you can play online, and it's pretty cool. They take it pretty seriously, so you don't have to join a league or anything, but you can do a pickup game. So NHL 94 online. Nice. My pick. All right. Let's see. I've got a couple of picks. So I did go to uh, Podcast Movement, which is a, a podcast or a conference for podcasters, and it was way awesome, way fun. Um, so I've got a few picks there. <laughs> The first one is podcast movement. The second one is I actually got to meet several people that I admire uh, whose podcasts that I listen to. And so I'm just going to throw a few out there. Uh, One of them was John Lee Dumas. I actually picked up his badge and thought seriously about stealing it uh, because he left it sitting on a table. He has Entrepreneur on Fire. So if you're interested in hearing interviews of entrepreneurs, it is awesome. His uh, mentor that got him into all of this is Jamie Tardy. And uh, she has a podcast called The Eventual Millionaire. It's also an interview show. She interviews millionaires, and they talk about what made them successful, which is also very cool. And uh, I got introduced to her by one of the conference organizers, and she turned around and said, I have a couple copies of my book that I don't want to take home. And so I got an autographed copy of her book, The Eventual Millionaire. So anyway, uh, lots of positive things there. My final pick is going to be one. I'm going to be playing with this quite a bit over the next week or so. It's Periscope. And I don't know if you guys know what Periscope is, but basically it's a video stream that people can join. You have to have the Periscope app installed on your phone. And then it holds onto the video for 24 hours and then it's gone. Uh, Twitter bought them. And so when I'm going to be doing a Periscope, it will notify you if you have the Periscope app. It'll also post it to Twitter. So if you're following me on Twitter and you want to hear me talk about stuff, then go check that out. Uh, the next few are going to be about just podcasting in general and where I kind of see these shows going and things like that because I've been thinking a lot about that. So um, if you want to be involved in those conversations, then by all means, go install Periscope. 
Wes, what are your picks? Awesome. Yeah. So I have, I have three picks. Um, the first one is, uh, you know, linked to, uh, the SF agile marketing meetup. There's a video on there. Uh, it sort of serves as kind of a case study, um, done with, with Sega and just sort of a good primer for the, for ASO and for any you know developers out there that want to learn a little bit more and see it, um, you know, in action, a developer talking about how it's worked for them. It's definitely a great place to start. And the second is just a uh, you know free course that that we give away here for anybody wanting to learn more and and kind of brush up their ASO. Um, it's, co- it's called our academy, and I'll just link that um, you know, free to anyone here that that wants to check that out. And then the last one, I thought it'd be you know be great to um, throw in an, an app for this show. Um, one of my favorite apps. Uh, it's called Jot, and pretty bare bones basic app. Basically, it's, it's a it's a note taking app that you know, you're walking around, you, you have a thought and you just want to remember that you write it in jot and you hit send and the next day it shows up in your inbox. So one reason that's been great for me is the problem I always had with note taking apps is I would take all these notes and then just had no sort of like action or reminder to go back and check them out. So, you know, weeks later I'd open up notes and be like, Oh, I, you know, forgot I even took this note. Um, and so with jot, it allows it sort of the next morning when I'm in my inbox, I, then have to sort of act on that note and do something with it. So just a cool little productivity app that it's kind of become part of my routine. And that's, uh, that's it for me. All right, Wes. Well, if people want to uh, follow up or check in or see what you're up to or learn more about Sensor Tower, what, what do they do? So definitely go to sensortower.com and check us out. Uh, we have, you know, many plans for any type of budget, a free plan to just check it out and sort of get started optimizing your app. You can follow us on Twitter, and we're pretty active there. We're happy to, to reach out and, and chat with you there. And, yeah, if you're in San Francisco, we are having a meetup uh, next week on Appster Optimization. So look for some details on Twitter, and maybe we can meet in person. Very cool. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Thanks again, Wes. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at iFreaksShow.com slash forum. 